weekend, who, how many men went to the retreat? Man, we had a few. We had about five guys, and uh, it, was, it was powerful. Can I tell you something? Uh, God wants to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. You know, God wants to, uh, he wants to build society on the shoulders of men who are his sons. And, you know, you don't get to, I know that, that, that you know, I, I don't, I never want to, there were, there were four women, though, that were serving part of the team. And I went up to them and I said, you know, ladies, I just want to say thank you so much because you just kind of like go around after us and you clean up our plates and our, and I go, man, I go, your example is unbelievable. I go, the, the, the courage of the women is, 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 is an example to me. You know why? Because they're quiet and they just do it and they do it and they don't, you know, they, they don't, for the most part, at least the women in my life, they don't ask me for no pats on the back and I just kind of take it for granted and I'm like, man, that's the way I want to live my life. And I see men struggle and I tell you the truth, we're fighting, we're fighting against the current of this world. We're fighting against a broken tie rod in our own life that wants to pull us into the curb. We're fighting against gravitational pull. And if you're not going to the men's retreat, you're cheating yourself, you're cheating the body of Christ. We're going to call it. We're going to call it. We're going to learn today. You know, one of the things about this whole study of the book of Exodus, man, it tells me the truth, the true nature of walking in the promised land. It's not an easy walk. Anyone who thinks you come to Jesus and everything's going to be wrinkle-free, don't think that. Because it's the opposite that's true. But I'm going to tell you this, like we're going to find out today, there's things in the promised land that you will never get in Egypt. Ever. You will long for it. You will try to find it. You will look under rocks and stones. You will sell your soul to get these things. And then in the end, you will feel emptier than when you started. Only in the promised land can you get these things that God has. So let's open up our Bibles um, to uh, Exodus chapter, uh, I think it's 22, I think. No, no, that's not true. Here we go. 25. We're going to read through verse 10, 10 through verse 22. There's a whole lot here. This is a lot of instruction. But before we do that, we want to pray. We want to pray as a congregation. I don't know if you guys are aware of what's happening. There are some serious things happening in the world. I'm talking serious things. There is a powder keg that's about to explode in Israel. It's already started. And tr trust me on this. I told you, God is already taking his hands off. Judgment is a foregone conclusion. It's done. You will I don't care who you vote for in 2024. It don't matter. We better be serious as his people, serious about repentance, which means I give up. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Okay, I give up. You want what you, your way? You tell me this is true, I believe it, and then I'm going to act like it's true. And it's about, it, it's about devotion. It's about saying, you know, Jesus, I know I want to keep you on a list of stuff, but you got to be number one. And ultimately, i got to believe that when I put you at the top of the list, all those other things that you allow me to have become even sweeter to me. And anyone who really, truly makes him their number one devotion knows that to be true. 
knows that to be true. But we got to pray. We're going to probably, us and Norwich, we're going to come up with a, 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 a little bit of an offering to send. I mean, they did some horrific, horrific things. And they're going to come out on the Internet. Nothing's going to change that. They're going to come out. And they're going to be absolutely hair-raising what they've done. And not only do we have to pray for Israel and the people of Israel, we have to pray for the perpetrators of the violence. Because can I tell you something? Apart from grace, that's me. I'm not a child by nature. He grabbed me. I'm an enemy, a violent enemy by nature of God. I hate by nature, by instinct. I don't love by instinct. He makes me what I am supposed to be. So let's pray. Father God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being a father who loves us and committed to us. You definitely don't treat us like our earthly fathers ever did, even if they were great ones. You just don't. You allow us to reap the consequences of disobedience, but the whole time you are there with us as we are learning the lesson of, of, of failure to trust. And you say to us, you whisper in our ear, that you will never be let go. You will never forsake us. You will never turn your back on us. You will always be there for us. As a matter of fact, you even use consequences for disobedience to benefit our lives and make us look more like Jesus Christ. You want to use us as your sons to build society, to build families, to build strength and, and anchor a, a society and a people that want to float on an ocean of torrents and storms. Lord, you are unlike anyone else. And we just want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it. Man, we don't want to make excuses. We don't want to put you on a list of ten things. We want you to be at the top. Because the ten things don't matter if you're not at the top. We love you, Lord. And I think we got to really start thinking serious. So you're the only one who can do that. I just got to deliver the message. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So God is speaking to Moses. He says this, have them make a chest of acacia with, this is verse 10, two and a half cubits long, a cubic and a half wide, a cubic and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold inside and out. Make a gold molding around it. Cast four rings for it. Fasten them to its feet. With the two rings on one side and the two rings on the other, then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and insert those poles into the rings on the sides. To, to carry the chest. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put the ark of the testimony which I have given you in the place of atonement. Make an atonement cover for it of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubic and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make the cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with its cover and two ends. The cherubs, they will have their wings spread upwards, shadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover like this. Man, this is powerful stuff. And can I tell you something? Notice was fulfilled now, right? It's a chance. Remember Mary? Mary comes in. John and James, they come into the tomb. Nobody's in the tomb no more. They know Jesus went in there. And they're looking around they're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They moved him. They moved him. Mary goes back in there, and what does she see? 
she sees an angel on one end doing this number, and she sees another angel on this end doing this number. And they look up at her, and they go, what are you looking for? She goes, I'm looking for my master. Where's my master? And he goes, don't look for your master. He's not going to come back. He's living. You know what that was? That was the living mercy seat. The blood of Christ covered the sins that separate you and I from God. Right there was filled. And this is a foretelling of it. It's a shadow. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful, beautiful thing. The cherubim have their wings spread upwards overshadowing the cover. And with them the cherubims are to face one another looking down toward the cover. Place the cover on the top. Uh, put, place the cover on the top and put in the ark the testimony, which I will give you. There above the cover, between the two cherubims that, that are on the ark of the testimony, and I will meet you and give you all the commands for an inheritance. This is God's word. It's really super duper powerful, man. Super powerful. I want to read for you some. This was a quote that I got. You know, as I'm studying Exodus, you know what it occurred to me? Man, it's easy for me to pull fingers at people. Well, truth and me too. Man, I really do. Tell you a quick story. Actually, I got a great story here. My brother's an addict. He calls me up on my birthday. For what, I don't know. Is he an addict? He wishes he had his birthday. He's just angry at the world for his life that he's been living. That's the truth. And all he does is spout hate on people. They railed him over, they cheated him, they lied to him. I literally was walking through the house and it's like, hey, it was making me so sick. The next day it was eating me alive, eating me. And you know what I said? I said it would be better if there were no God. You ever think about that? And you know what? God said to me in my room, in his spirit, he said, you have judged yourself by the words you have judged him. You think that he's cheated, he's lied, he's excused, he's this, he's that. And he goes, you have judged him and said he's unworthy to live because he's dead. I had to, I had to pull this very closely. I had to put my hands up on him and say, sorry, I'm so soaked. I'm so wrong. How could I ever think like that? He goes, it comes out of me. It's like, Poison. You gotta help him. You gotta help him. Lord God, only you can change that inside of him. We were talking about forgiveness yesterday. I was like, oh, forgive me, forgive. <laughs> After that 10 minutes of this guy talking, man, I was running to the front. <laughs> I was running to the front. And you know what he said? He said this thing that just rung in my ears, making me actually fall back, where God's like, do me a favor, guys. I, I love you, but just close the door. Don't, 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 don't come into the temple anymore because you know what? I, I can't hear you no more. It's, 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 it's really not good for me and it's not good for you. Just close the door. You know why? Because you've got all this stuff on the back that you carry with you that I can't get over. It blocks my ears from hearing your phrases. And I was like, wow. Wow. I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, I was like, man, but God, you're speaking directly to me. Directly to me. I just thought this, and so I, I heard this quote, I want to give it to you. Because I, I thought to myself as I've been studying this book, I love to point a finger at Israel. 
And like, how could they be so stupid? How could they be like this? I showed them all this stuff. And realize that I didn't show them all this stuff. I taught them the truth. When I come up here, I show you guys how to speak the truth about the work of with my life is with heart and with purpose for so many things that would fade away that would be different that would be lost God's given me profound friendship meaningful relationships he has given me direction he has given me inspiration he gives of me this water that wells up inside of me he drives me forward so that I can't say no over and over and over. And I'm like, oh, God, with one side of my mouth, praise you. And the other side of my mouth, I'm like, I'm tired of that. And it's so easy for us to do. I'm not pointing no fingers yet anymore. You know, one of the things that the men's retreat caused me to do, I ain't pointing no more fingers. I'm, I'm just, listen to this quote. It's from Charles Hayden Spurgeon. He said this, does a man think that he loves his Lord who would be willing to see Jesus wearing a crown of thorns while for himself praying a crown of flowers? Shall Jesus ascend to his throne by the cross? And do we expect to be carried there on the shoulders of our applauding crowd? Don't be so vain in your imagination. I encourage you, count the cost. If you're not willing to bear the cross of Christ, then go back to your farm. Then go back to your merchandise and make the most of it. Only let me whisper in your ear this one thing. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet he loses his soul. You know what I used to tell a youth? I, seven years I was married, and I was like, every week I come with you. Every week I'm cursing you. If you don't want to be, you think the world's out there, I want to feed you. Tell your parents today, I don't want to come back. They're like, what? I go, yeah, tell them you don't want to come back. Only do this. Really, really pursue the Lord. Really pursue it. Run after him with both hands. Come on, shit, everything you could get. You know why? Greg did that for 31 years, and I know what he could do. Emptiness, sorrow, pain, regret, fear. I said, go, because you know what I see? There's too many people who follow Christ and don't realize that there's something broken inside of them. And Jesus didn't just die because he's a good guy. He died to heal them. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. It's the way it works. It's just the way it works. And it causes me, that truth in my life causes me to stop when I'm going in the wrong direction. When I'm judging someone or when I'm thinking selfishly, which I have a tendency to do. Does anyone else have that tendency to do? So I want to tell you this. As I was reading through this book holds for us a lot of direction, a lot of warning, a lot of encouragement, a lot of examples of positive ways to live and negative ways to live. Let's talk for a minute about promised land. The promised land is not wrinkle-free living. The promised land is hard living. But hard living isn't always difficult living. Hard living is sometimes good for you. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, we have lived pretty good in this country, and it makes us soft. It makes us soft. 
For me, when I have everything that I need, I forget gratitude. And you know what else I find? When I get a lot of stuff, I'm always looking for more. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? And then when I get the stuff I get, it don't give me the satisfaction that I wanted. God's like, So let's talk about that promised land for about two minutes. Promised land is hard living. As I look at this book, it is a lot of self-denial. It is a lot of sacrificial living. And it is sacrificing for a greater good. Everyone who has a child knows what I'm talking about. There are many things in the life of a parent that you do because it's not easy or pleasant for a parent. You're like, no, 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 this is my life, the life that came from me. I really owe you a life of sacrificial love. That's the way I look at my kids, and I know you guys do the same thing. I owe them a life of sacrificial love. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And when I switch over and I start to live a life that's worth it but difficult, I start looking at difficulty with different eyes. Does that make sense? You know, can I tell you something? I had two guys here that kind of came with us, and uh, it was Julian and Ugo. Can I tell you why I love these guys? I love them. Not not just because I have to. (laughs) Sometimes I love people because I have to. I'm sorry. That's not nice. But you know you do too. All right? These guys are humble. They're compassionate. And they don't just talk about life. They show it. You know what Paul said? Don't tell me about how rich you are. Don't tell me about how much you know or how much Bible knowledge you have or how much you've given for this or for that or how much you sacrifice in your holy life. Show me your faithfulness by how much you let the mighty one of Israel. These guys were guys who led small groups. And I'm telling you, I don't know what how many of your small groups are. I think they were beneficial. I think guys came out in honesty, confessing things they had probably never confessed before. I heard some things yesterday I was shocked to hear. And you know what? Man, that's the only way they're going to go away is by exposing things that are hidden from the light. Right? So in this promised land, it's not simply peace, but it's peace in purpose. The promised land, rest, is not in activity so much as it is surrender and trust. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. That's what being a follower of Christ is. It's surrendering because you trust. You know, one of the things, I was with the 20-something-year-old guys, and I was like, how is it, what's the hardest thing of following Christ? They always say the same thing, especially this young guy, Carlos, man. I have a great relationship with him. I love this guy. I love him all. But he says, it's hard for me when I see my old friends and they just do whatever they want to do. They can do whatever they want to do. They use their money the way they want to use it. They do whatever they want to do. I mean, they go out to clubs, they're doing this, they're doing this, and this guy has to deny himself all the time because he knows the brokenness inside. So he has to vigilantly guard himself, right? And he says, man, it's just hard to see. And you know what? Can I tell you something? That's a big one for me. I will never want to admit it. God saved me out of that junk, and I still look on the other side of the junk and I'm like, well, is it possible for me to have some of the good stuff there and not go into the junk? I don't know. For other people, maybe that's true. But for me, I know exactly what I look at. If I depart from the Lord, I will drop like a stone. I will drop like a stone. 
like a stone. So you know what? For me, following Christ isn't just a good idea. It's the only idea. I am like Peter's younger brother. Me and him, dumb and dumber. And I'm just saying, when I get him, I don't want to see nobody else. I want to give my brother Peter a hug and go, man, I get you, bro. And he's like, all right, let's keep it, let's keep it personal. <laughs> but anyways, let's go back to this promised land. Even though the promised land is full of these struggles, there are priceless treasures that can only be found in the promised land. Egypt offers us partnership because that's how it started out. They were partners with Egypt 400 years, benefiting, getting rich, learning, watching over great things. They were getting bank accounts and everything was real great until it changed. Until that paycheck that they were getting, that they were happy with, became a hook and a slave one. Egypt offers us partnership until that turns into slavery. Living in Egypt offers you an addiction, get this, an addiction to slavery. Salvation is him pulling us out the desire to be enslaved. Because I want to be enslaved. I want to be enslaved to things that I'm absolutely that's true for you time after time what we see in this book when the journey out of slavery becomes difficult for the people of israel they would start to grumble why did we ever leave egypt we had everything we wanted in egypt truth is no they didn't they didn't have everything they wanted in egypt egypt wasn't a place of a plenty and all this goodness no it wasn't they were slaves I don't care if you're in a prison where you have a TV and a couch and a, a, a wonderful soft rug and a robe and, and a toaster and all these amenities. If it's prison, God says, I don't want you to live in prison. Well, but, 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 but my cell's so nice. But you're in jail, man. That's what God is telling me in this book over and over and over and over. I was at my men's Bible study on Tuesday, I'm, I'm, I'm here Thursday and there on Tuesday, and I can tell you something, I would not miss those days because, man, I get benefited. But I'm, I, I don't preach one of them. I, I don't feel like I have to. I, I tell you, there's just something about being in the midst. Where are the rest of the men? I know. Where are they? It's shocking to me. Where are they? Well, I know where they are. They're doing good stuff. It's not hard to say that. But anyways, we're reading through a Genesis and we're looking at things and we're seeing about how Israel was, 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 was grumbling after God would provide for them. And this guy Chip sits next to me and he goes like this. He goes, you know what I'm doing? He goes, we look at Israel and we shake our head. He goes, I've been working for 40 years with the city. He goes, I'm now on the, on the edge, three months away from retirement and I'm absolutely petrified to take the step. Can I tell you something? says when in your treasure and when it is time to go you'll go 
But when my job, when my security is found in what I can have here, because can I tell you something? There's these little things that, that allows me to be God in a small town area. Even if I don't have the money, I could buy whatever I want. I could literally go into any town. I got a good enough rate. Uh, 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 what do you call that? Uh, well, right. I got a good enough rate that I can purchase almost anything. I'm not kidding you. Don't know if I can afford it. But you know what, though? God restrains me. He says, and, and I tell you, he's, he's won the battle for this in my heart. He's like, yeah, this is what, what we measure beneficial and blessed life by? And I say, no, unequivocally no. <laughs> it's not. It's not. You know what? The beneficial, I met with this young man right here today at 8.30 in the morning. Can I tell you something? That's beneficial. It's important that I have a nice package plan in my life where all my finances are set for. That's nice. Don't get me wrong. And I think God wants to give me that stuff. Great. But that's better. 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 On two Thursday nights when I'm tired, meeting with those guys. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. And he said this. He said, man, it hit me so good in my heart. And I realized, man, I know, God, you're so faithful. And you're always telling me what's true and what's a lie. Because I love lies. Because lies sound great, but the promised land is full of truth. Full of truth. But remember, those things in the promised land that you're never going to get in Egypt. So 35 years of work, and he says, when I'm ready to leave, I'm afraid to let go. How easy it is for us to look at Israel and say, how could you forget so quickly? How could they be so quick to accuse God and to distrust and be faithless? Here's a great lesson for us. What is the lesson for me and you as I read this? Let me walk humbly with God. You know what this means? I need to seek a lifestyle of devotion and obedience, but never, ever forget how susceptible I am to failure and breakdown. That means I have to be serious about relationships with people where I can tell them things that I don't want to tell you in the same way. That's why we have men's conferences, you know? Because those guys, some of them were influential in ministry. Year they didn't say nothing to nobody. Then they get convicted, and all of a sudden they're like, I can't speak for myself. And they blurt it out. And then God says, great, now we can start fresh. Now we can start fresh. What kind of relationships do you have? Are you living this Sunday to Sunday? Because if you are, not the promised land. It's a form of prosperity. Form of prosperity. God wants more for you. Your father wants more for you. Just like you want more for your children. Don't choose that, son. Don't choose that, daughter. Choose this. This is better. That's what the promised land is full of. It's full of the direction and the promise and the desires of God to bless you. God provides for his people water. Because we don't need physical water like they do, what kind of water does he give you and I? It's real simple. He gives us his spirit and he gives us his word. Okay? What does that mean? That means these two witnesses in my life, first of all, you have to understand, we have something they didn't have, and that's the Holy Spirit. They may have had the Holy Spirit working in their midst. You have him sealed in your heart. 
You know what that means? No one can snatch him out and he won't leave. He chose you to be his abiding place so that you can be poured into to bless them. Love her with a love that you've never even experienced outside of your relationship with him. And then this beautiful child is benefiting. Yes. Do you see how it works? This is the promised land. This is the promised land. God provides for us his spirit and his land. They encourage us. They remind us. They point us back to our eternal purposes. How many times have I said, how many times have I looked back as I'm plowing? I'm tired of plowing. I'm so poor. Why can't I have it easier? What was it easier? You think they live an easier life? Part of the question, do you think they live live a good life? They don't. They get to have no purpose. They have no hope. What they chase after is a myth and smoke. They chase after things that are gratifying. You and I live in the promised land where the things God is after us to get never fade away. They're eternal treasures. Eternal treasures. That's the greatest witness I can give to people. Jesus came to separate the thing that separates me from God so that he could be my father and lead me into a life of eternal goodness. That's salvation. That's the promised land. As you move forward, God, with his spirit and his word, he reminds me of my number one relationship. He reminds me, they remind me of his faithfulness to me. They remind me of his commitment toward me. They remind me of his generosity toward me. They remind me of his consistent love toward me. They remind me of his oversight and his leadership and his compassion. Has God reminded you of these things? How does he do it? He does it in the craziest ways. You'll open up Facebook where you should never find God because it's a sewer. And there's God speaking to you right there. You want to kill the guy that just cut in front of you in the morning. Amen? But then there's a guy next to you who's got a Jesus fish. Does that ever happen to you? Because it's happened to me so many times. And you're like, oh, the Lord right over there. And he's like, I knew who you were before you knew who you were. I didn't pick you by accident. It's not like Jesus said, I'll pick Nate, and then goes into a relationship and says, wait a minute, I didn't know Nate was like this. I would have never died for him. No, 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 he said, I picked you in spite of you, and nothing can change that decision ever. All we got to say, really, is yes. Yes, I want it. Boy, that's too good to be true. Yes, too good to be true, but it is true. But it is true. Listen to this. Jesus provides for us bread. This is special heavenly bread. Bread symbolizes reconciliation. Bread symbolizes communion and intimacy. You know what? Can I tell you something? I make the mistake of looking for fulfillment and intimacy in my my partner, my wife. And I love my wife. She's a good woman. Can't do it. Just can't give her that. 28 years of marriage. She's never been able to say no. But you know what, though, God reminds me? You weren't made for my wife. 
you will need some women. You want her to be your soulmate? Find her. And you know what? If you finally get attached to one of your soulmates, that love you have for them will be different. See, here's the thing. I can love you, but if I'm looking for your love to fill something deep inside of me, once you don't do it, I start looking around. And they just have to do it, do it, do it. See, but if I grow his love, then your love is good and is beneficial, but my love for you is not good. See, see how that blesses a home? See how that builds a society? See how that's really, truly powerful? Well, that's what I see. That's what I see. Let's keep moving forward. So to what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Jesus breaks the bread. He gave it to his disciples. He said, take this and eat it, for this is my body, which is given up for you. He's making it very clear. I have lived for you. I allured my, allowed myself to come to earth to live the life that you should live. Why? So that you could be covered in my perfection. So that you can have the love that the God the Father has only for me. You can have it. You can have it. You earn it? No. Can you keep it? No. But he wants to give it to you. He earned it for you. He earned it for you. He earned it for you. And he says, take this. Eat from it. As much as you want. Man, everything you want is tied up in me, kid. Man, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that was his body. That means when he was torn, bam, bam. That's how he whipped him. It wasn't a whip. It was bam. Until everything becomes swollen and ripped open so you could see his lungs and his liver. Why? Because this was the veil that separated me from a holy God. Now I can come in like this. Praise you. Praise you, God. You're what I need, God. I can live with my face to the ground. Why? Because he's all that I need. And everything I want is found in him. Man, I'm talking, this is promised land here, folks. This is promised land living. So what does that mean? Now we hold firmly to one trust. You trust in God's goodness. You trust in his favor. That keeps me stable in storms. If I believe that God is for me and not against me, God has lived and he has provided for me, when the struggles come and they come always, I can say, I know he brought me here and he'll sustain me here. And everything that happens here is for my ultimate good. Is that you? Is that true for you? Let's say that amen. Let's amen to that. We strive now because of this intimacy for closeness. We strive for trust. We strive an unwavering desire because he wants to be with him. We're convinced of the benefit of intimacy. We're not so easily distracted. And when we do get distracted, we allow the Holy Spirit to redirect us. Redirect us. Come back home, son. You're looking too far away. You're paying too much attention to the yard next door. All right. We're getting close to the end now. 
the covenant, the thing that we read about today. This is the promise. It is the physical manifestation of the promise, the covenantal promise of commitment that God has for his people. Did you know that even though they get this in Exodus, God's people had this in Genesis? Genesis chapter 15. It's never changed. See, God didn't go one way and go, well, this didn't work. Let's try this way. It's always been the same way. It's always been the same way. His elect are always his elect. And it has nothing to do with who you were born into. Right? So Genesis chapter 15, he says, hey, you, Abraham, I'm pulling you out of a life of building idols and worshiping idols and making money from idols. And you're going to come follow me. Where am I going? Don't worry about it. Just come follow me. And then when he finally gets him to this place where it's just him, just him and God, he says, all right, here you go. Here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give for you commands. Get yourself a one-year heifer. Get yourself a one-year lamb and a one-year goat and two pigeons. And I want you to make the sacrifice. Put them up. And when it's time, we're going to walk down the sides and we're going to make a promise, me and you, right? So Abraham does it. Cuts up everything, right? And just when it's time for both parties to walk down their side, consecrating the deal, what does God do? He puts Abraham to sleep. You know why? Because I can't trust you to do your end. You don't have enough strength. I know you want to, you'll try to, but you can't. So you know what I'll do for you, Terry? I'm going to walk down the aisle. That means I'm going to make the promise and meet the promise. That's why it's something that can never change. That's why we have such utter confidence in God. My God, my God. God reminds us in this promise that he demands perfect obedience. He demands perfect devotion. He demands perfect faithfulness. He demands from us perfect trust. He demands from us love, perfect love, perfect commitment. But he also understands that I can't do it. So he gives it to himself. And he gives us the benefit. That means he worked for it and earned it and gave you the paycheck. That now no one can snatch out of your hand. You don't deserve it. You're like, no, you're right. I don't deserve it. But I've been given it. You don't have the right. You didn't give it to me. Because that's what Satan will do. He'll try to take it from you. But you're like, well, you don't have the right to take it from me. It's not yours. He gave it to me. He's in charge of you, believe it or not, even though you don't want to admit it. He gave it to me. No one can take it away. That's the way we live our life. All right. This is where we wrap it up. All right. We now are called to be. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean to be a kingdom of priests? First, here's the, we're going to put this up. We now have no blessing or curse motive in serving God. God wants your service, but he wants your service in the same way a parent wants their service and partnership from their children. Not because they want to get paid or they want, or they're afraid of getting punished. God says, I've taken all that away. I've given you the blessing fully. Nothing can take it away. I've given you all of myself. I'll never walk away from you. I'll never walk away from you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. And I'm the real blessing. Don't do this because you want something from me. I'll give you what you need. I'll take care of you. But also don't do it because you're afraid that I'm going to turn my back on you. So now we don't have those motives in our life anymore. Here's another one. Our desire is to please him 
It's to live for his joy. It's trusting that he is very, very good. How has God shown me his goodness? Do you know what? I was with my son and my group. And my son was engaged to this girl. It was close to an engagement. She was trying to pull him out. This was when we were starting Norwich. And I knew this relationship was going to be bad. And he was having a hard time working. And he didn't want to listen. And one time him and me got in an argument. Because I'm prideful sometimes. Amen. And I tell you something. If it weren't for God working in my life. I would have told my son to take his legs and not come back. And you know what I know? I wouldn't have him around today. My son was with me, and he told me something, and he was driving his girlfriend to the bus, and he was coming back, and he had a vision of him and me fighting and him bashing me face to face to face to face because I was embarrassed. And he said this. He tears me aside. He says, <laughs> he said this to him. And I was heartbroken because I knew what I did was wrong. And now, do I live in guilt? Oh, I said to him, please give me a day. Will you give me a time? I want to go with you. I, I want to talk about this person. I want to apologize for what I've done wrong. And I'm so afraid to share my life. And the truth is, this is what it means to be in a relationship with a God who loves us like he does. He takes the thieves of years ago and he turns them into priceless treasures. This young man is a father who's going to love his kids ten times better than I ever loved him. He's my worship leader. He's my friend. He's my partner. He shouldn't talk to me. We all have stories. We all have stories. This is what he wants for us. This is what he wants for us in life. As we bring up Jason and the team, I don't know where they're at right now, but they're coming up. To be a priest means that we strive and we fight for total surrender and total devotion because it don't come easy. We want to be surrendered in everything we do. I want to be surrendered in my work because when I don't do it, I become very vengeful, very angry, very resentful, very plotting of revenge because my boss doesn't treat me the way that I should be treated and yours doesn't either. Takes all your hard work and then when it comes time for them to really give you what you deserve, they find a reason not to give it to you. But you know what though? 26 years, the Lord's been telling me, you've never worked for them, you've always worked for me, only you've forgotten it from time to time. So what does that mean? We are people who strive and fight for total surrender in everything we do and in every place that our feet stand. We are a people of gratitude, continually looking at the generosity of God in our life. That means I'm no longer on the endless quest that our world, this nation, wants us to be on. They created the TV so that we could be on an endless quest. Selling us, always selling us. Bigger, better, newer, because that's what you need. No, no, no. 
Those are only important if he's number one. Only important if he's number one. As they start to play and we stand up, we are a people of commitment. Say, I am a people of commitment. I am unwaveringly moving forward. Say it. I am unwaveringly moving forward. Why? Because I hope in a perfect future. Because I hope in a perfect future. Repeat after me. We are a people. Not only with love by words, but actions. That's what it means to be a kingdom of priests. Let's get ready to worship. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Jesus, your name. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above it all, yes it does, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all.
Let's get close. You know, one of the beauties is, man, he knows everything. He knows everything. He knew us way in advance. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> he knew in advance who he was purchasing on that cross. It's not a surprise. It's not a shock. He's with us in all of it. He knows what we do and why we do it. He even knows the seeds that were planted in our lives that are secret motivators for actions today. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to endlessly convince you that he's worthy of your trust. That's what makes him so glorious. He could do anything he wants because of what he chooses to do. He chooses to give to us rather than only demand. Father God, we love you. You know, for me, I can't speak for no one else. I don't love you enough. I don't. And I don't know if I ever will on this earth and in this body. But I do know this. You have told me in various places in your word, there will come a time and a day when I fully grow into who I am supposed to be, where I will never pull back from you. I will never distrust you. I will never think to myself, it's better to be disobedient than to rebel. I will always follow in obedience, and I will always be blessed with your nearness. Lord, I pray that you would sustain us and hold us, Lord God. I pray that you would be the one who whispers in our ear and pulls us forward. I pray that you would be the one who brings harmony into our home, even, even, even when we resist it. I pray that you would be the one who would call the dead out from the grave, Lord God. I pray that you would be the one who would hear the mother and father's cry for the rebellious children, the ones who don't believe and want to run away. I pray, Lord God, that you would open the eyes of the blind and let the ears that cannot hear hear. Lord, I pray that you would allow those lame legs to have strength so that they can walk, so that we can give testimony and sing praises to you because this is what it means to live we love you, Lord God. Help us to love you more. We believe in you, and help us to believe in you more. And with one heart and one mind, we all say, Amen. Amen.